want to start with a question for you. Have you ever tried out for something and had to wait to find out if you got in? Okay, like you're like in that waiting, like I don't know if they've accepted me. I don't know if I'm getting in. And so maybe it was a date, right? You go on a date and, uh, and the date's over and, and he's like, I'll call you. And you're like, okay, when? When, when are you going to, like, did it go? I thought it went well. Did it go well? It seemed like it went well, you know? Uh, or maybe you, were, you, know, you went on a date and, uh, and you, you texted her and it's like, hey, had fun, love to hang out again. And you see those three dots and then they disappear. And you're like, what's up with that? Like when, and you're, you're waiting to find out if you've been accepted. And maybe it was, you know, um, applying for a college, right? So maybe you apply at your favorite university. You, you send in your application to A&M and you're waiting to see if you, whoops, you're waiting to see if you got in. Or, or maybe it was Baylor, right? Or, or maybe, maybe UT. They, they, ex- they accept everybody. They accept everybody. And, and, so, and, and you're, you're waiting you're waiting to find out if you got in, if you got accepted. Or maybe it was a job interview, right? You finished the, the interview, you put on your best, you know, you did everything you could and you leave and it's just that waiting period. Was I good enough? Did I say the right things? I wonder how many people they're going to take in. Am I going to get in? Will they accept me? I went to an interview once. It was actually for a reality show. Uh, called The Apprentice. Okay. Now, I don't know if you've heard of The Apprentice, but I uh, uh, tried out for this. It was in Fort Worth. Uh, tryouts were in Fort Worth. And uh, so my wife and I go out there this a while ago, long before ministry and, or, or a little bit before ministry. And so that's why I'm in ministry. And, uh, and so I go out there to Fort Worth and there's thousands and thousands and thousands of people trying. I'm like, I don't have a shot, you know, and I go in there and I, I did everything I could. You know, I was bold and and I had my best suit on and, and was trying to get on the show. And afterwards they said, hey, we'll let you know today if you made it. And so Monica and I went out in Fort Worth. We went to Sundance Square. We had a blast. Just, we went and saw a movie. I remember we went to Barnes and Nobles. Then we went to this comedy club and then we were hanging out for a late dinner. And I say late dinner because the sun had set and I still didn't get a call. And I'm like, I wonder if I got in. And then at like 1155 at night, they said, they let me know that day they called and they said, Hey, you made it to the next round. And I'm like, this is going to, you know, this is crazy because this is life changing, right? This is like, we're going to move to New York and I'm going to be on this show. And you know, this could, could just be crazy for me. And so I go back to the, the second interview, the callback, and it was in this hotel. And I remember kind of going through the same thing. This time it was on camera and I was answering these questions and they said, all right, you know, we'll, we'll let you know something. They're like, we'll call you. And I'm like, you, you'll call me when, when are you going to call me? You know? And I just remember that waiting period thinking, Hey, every, like, like my whole life is in their hands. My whole future's in their hands and they're going to let me know what my future looks like. I I don't know if you've ever had this experience. Maybe it was just a job interview. Long story short, I I didn't make it past that second round. Oh, I know. (laughs) Um, But I think this is how we, at some subconscious level, in the back of our minds, feel about heaven. It's like, hey, it's this place. Can anybody really know? 
If you go there, what you need to do to get there, maybe all roads lead there. If you oh, follow your religion well, you get there. What about the person who's never heard? If I'm saved, am I always saved? Can you lose your salvation? All of these things, like how do I know that I'm going to get to heaven? So we're in this series asking for a friend, and tonight is, can anyone really know they're getting into heaven? Can anyone really know they're getting into heaven. And so much more is at stake with this question than just the uneasiness of wondering if you got a job or not, or a second date or not, or into a university or not. And in fact, the largest belief amongst our peers is that all roads lead to heaven. And so this comes from Jen IY, these stats. It says, although 65% classify themselves as Christians, 43% said it doesn't matter what religious faith you follow because they all teach the same lessons. 70% of all major Christian and non-Christian religious groups say many religions can lead to eternal life. And 68% say there's, uh, there's more than one true way to interpret the teachings of my religion. 68%. 50% believe that all people are eventually saved or accepted by God no matter what they do. Theology called inclusivism. We covered universalism. This idea that everyone gets there. Some people believe, well, pretty much, you know, you just need to be good and you're good with God. Right? One way to heaven is too exclusive. I mean, that can't be true. Can't all roads eventually lead to God? What about people who never hear? What about people of other faith who are sincere? I remember when I had a crisis of the faith, God actually used this to bring me into a relationship with him. I thought, what are the odds I'd be born to the right country? I was thinking about this. I was wrestling with this. I was like, I know there's a God, but I don't know who he is. I was agnostic. I was like, if I was born in India, I'd be Hindu. If I was born in China, I'd be Buddhist. If I was born in Iran, I'd be Muslim. If I was born in Israel, I, I might be Jewish. And so what are the odds that I'd be born to America and that that would be the right religion? And so I really began to research it with a bias against Christianity. And I don't know if your faith is just your parents' faith. I don't know how you came to a belief in Jesus Christ if you have. But I pray you sincerely wrestle with it if you haven't. As we dive into this message that you'd have a greater understanding of this way, the scripture says. And so as we move through John chapter 14, we're gonna look at how Christianity is exclusive, how Christianity is inclusive, and before you leave here this evening, how Christianity offers certainty for you. And so what's happening in John chapter 14, I'll start in verse one, and in chapter 13, Jesus is saying, hey, I'm gonna go somewhere. And his disciples say, well, where are you gonna go? Where, where, why are you leaving us? And Peter like bows up to him, you know, because Peter's crazy. And he's like, Jesus, hey, wherever you go, I'm going. You're not going anywhere without me. Take me with you. And Jesus is like, calm down, boys. Calm down, listen. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you, uh, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And now Thomas speaks up, this is doubting Thomas. Wait, 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 Lord, no, we don't. How do we, how do we know? We don't know where you're going. How would we know how to get there? 
And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we're going to look at this passage and we'll work backwards. My first point from the text is that Christianity is exclusive. That means there is one way to heaven and his name is Jesus. To believe that the Bible is true is to believe that Jesus is the only way to God. And we really spelled this out in the Afterlife series, but I just want you to hear from me. There's two eternal destinations. Everyone will live somewhere forever. There's hell and there's heaven. Okay, Those are the only two eternal destinations that exist. And Jesus came here. He lived a perfect life. And he died the death that we deserve, paying the price for our sins. He rose from the grave. And if we accept that payment for our sins, then we can be with him in his kingdom forever and ever and ever. And his kingdom is heaven. And so in hell, we suffer for our sins. And we don't have to suffer for our sins if we believe that Jesus suffered for our sins. And so you say... Well, I believe essentially all religions lead to God. Different paths up the mountain. Aren't we kind of looking at the same thing from different perspectives? Anybody ever heard this? Anybody ever heard someone say this? I believe always. If you've shared your faith, you've bumped into this objection before. You've never heard anyone say this who has actually studied world religion. Okay, this is the statement of naivety. It is from someone who hasn't looked at what actual the the world religions teach. And so let me just show you quickly, as quickly as I can. We'll start with Islam. This comes from the two holy books, or the the holy book of Islam, the Quran, and from two different chapters. The first one is from the Ali Imran, chapter 3, verse 85. It says this, Whoever prefers a religion other than Islam, it shall definitely not be accepted from him. And in the hereafter, he shall be among the losers. This is from the Al-Ma'idah, chapter 5, verse 72. And it says this. This is, listen. They have certainly disbelieved who say Allah is the Messiah, the son of Mary. It's very specific. Allah has forbidden him paradise and his refuge is the fire. Whoever believes that God is the son of Mary is going to hell and Jesus is God, the son of Mary, and they can both be true. That's nonsensical. It's illogical. It makes no sense. Hinduism, right, says this. This is from Krishna, the Hindu force of the universe, speaking from their holy book, the Bhagavad Gita. It says this, uh, those who are without faith in my teaching cannot attain Krishna or the enlightenment. I permeate all the universe in my unmanifest form. All beings exist within me. If you do not accept this view that you do not exist, you will never achieve Hindu salvation. And, and not only is the path different, but the destination's different in that Hindus don't believe in heaven, but reincarnation, that you would come back as a person of nobility or a rat or some sort of animal in between. So you not just have different paths, but different destinations. You say, those are both right, both true. Well, hold on. Am I going to heaven or am I going to come back to life as someone else? What's true? Buddhism, but that's inclusive, right? Buddhism is inclusive, is the only path 
There is none other from the, for the purification of insight. Walking upon this path will make an end of suffering. This is from the Buddhist holy writings. Oddly enough called the way. And then in the Jewish tradition, exclusivity manifests in the concept of the chosen people in which anyone who does not accept the teachings of Jewish monotheism is excluded from the messianic world to come. They are exclusively God's people. And so what I want you to see, friends, is Christianity is indeed exclusive. Every world religion is indeed exclusive. And so to say that they're all right out of love is really to say that they're all wrong. If you say anyone who says, well, they're all right, hasn't looked at them. It's to say that they're all wrong. It is a statement, as I said, of naivety. And so why do we get to this place where we're like, well, I just think everyone gets to God someday. I'll tell you why. Because you've been sitting on the back of a tailgate after a couple shots of Patron, been drinking. Everybody becomes deep theologians at three in the morning, okay? <laughs> like that's when it's like, I love you, man. I love you too. I know we just met. Man, I love you. You know who else loves you? God loves you, man. He wouldn't send you to hell. Nope, not you. I think everybody gets in, man. Everybody just seems right. That's what we do. That's what we do. And why, what's, it, what's it birthed out of? What book you point to? What ancient writings? What person came from heaven, came here and told you that? Your feelings. Well, I, just, I just feel. I just, I just think, right? I just, and, and it's all like in the statement of higher education. No, it's not. It actually doesn't make sense, right? And the problem with these feelings is Proverbs 14, 12, which says there's a way that seems right to a person. There's a way that feels right to a person, but in the end, it leads to death. Where else can you give somebody instruction? And they're like, hey, how do I get to your house? They're like, oh, just pick a road, man. You'll get there one way. <laughs> like like that, doesn't, that logic doesn't stretch to anything. I was in London recently. David and I both uh, were in London together and we didn't rent a car. We took the tube. The tube is the subway in London, the underground railroad and uh, underground railway in London. And so we took the tube from the airport to the hotel. And uh, that's how we navigated London. Now, the tube, uh, this subway is very complex in London. I don't know if you've been there, but the reason I, I think it's more complex than New York because there's layers like you go underground and there's stories upon stories upon stories upon stories of trains. And so you have to know what floor to be on first. And then when you choose the right floor, you have to be, know which train to go to take you to the next stop, to get on the next floor, to take you to the train. And so like you go, I think we have a picture. So that's just like, there's just escalators upon escalators uh, underneath the ground where you're trying to find the right floor. And so we, we're, I'm, I'm with David and we're trying to figure out what's the right floor because now we've been in London for several days and it's time to go home to catch our plane to see our family. And so we got to find the, the right train to take us to the airport so that we can go home and see our family and that we can make our flight, right? And so I'm there with him. I'm not very smart. I'm like, I don't know what floor. David's pretty smart though. He didn't know what floor. And so we, we walk up and we're looking at this map. We finally think we found the right floor, but then there's this map here and I'm looking at it. I just gave up. I'm like, dude, I don't know, man. You figure that out. 
And, and he's looking at it, right? And, and we're just kind of a little bit stressed because, you know, the flight, we're supposed to be there uh, ahead of time. It's international. And I'm like, we're going to miss our flight. I want to see my girls. Now imagine if you came up to me and you loved me, man. You really, really cared about me. And you saw that I was distressed. So you said, JP, bro, any of these trains will get you to the airport. <laughs> you know what I'm going to say to you? I'm going to give you a hug. I'm gonna be like, if I believe you, I'm going to be like, man, that's amazing truth. Thank you so much. That really helps me because I was distressed. I was thinking I wasn't going to see my wife and my kids and I miss them. Thank you so much. Now I get on the next train because any of them are going to take me there. And some of these trains, they're straight shots to rural England. And so I get on it. No, it has no stop. It just takes me way, way, way out in the, the countryside of England. Right? And I get off and there's no train back until the next day because that's how this works. I've missed my flight. It's cost me thousands and thousands of dollars, thousands and thousands of dollars to rebook. I don't get to see my family. I don't know when I'm going to get home. And all of the sudden, what I thought brought me relief was incredible deception. And it wasn't loving. It was not loving. You did not care well for me. What you said didn't make sense. It was birthed out of your own emotions and it put me in a bind. You can imagine when we're talking about an eternal bind, right? And so somebody says, well, I believe all religions will get there. You just respond to them like this. Really? Well, which one have you chosen? Because like, right, if you think all religions will get there, you're going to research them all and try to find the easiest one, Right? I mean, anyone who truly believes all religions will get you there, are, they're going to choose Christianity because all the other ones are like, hey, do this and do this and do this and do this. Christianity's like, God did this. You're like, I'll take that one. God loved me enough to allow his son to die for me so that I can be with him forever. I'll go that one. So which one have you chosen? Anyone who says all religions will get you there hasn't chosen one, right? That's what you see. That's the truth. So the, the reality is all religions lead to hell except one that takes you home. His name is Jesus. I've given my adult life to researching this. I found that to be true. I've looked at the archaeology, the history of religions, where they originated. But don't take my word for it. You do your research. You look into it. You come to a place where you found it to be true. Jesus says, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? My second point from this text is that Christianity is inclusive. Now that contradicts that it's exclusive, right? The reason I say it's inclusive is because everyone is invited. We've already determined that all religions are exclusive, but here's what you need to know. Christianity is the most inclusive. That Christ says, hey, come. That God is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness, but he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to eternal life. That Christianity through Christ is an invitation. Like, in fact, if you go home tonight and you can do this, Google, how do I convert to? Google's going to autofill Hindu faith, Islam, Jehovah's Witness, any religion that's out there, right? The Jewish faith, Buddhism, 
And what you're going to see, friends, is strive, 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 strive to achieve nirvana, strive to achieve enlightenment, strive to not want, strive to do enough, enough good deeds so that you can come back as a person of nobility, strive to follow the law of the Old Testament, strive to comply with the five pillars of Islam, strive, 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 strive. You work your way up to, to God for a chance to get in. You don't know if you're getting in or not. You do everything you can. You take a Hajj to Mecca. You, you pray several times a day. You do everything you can for a chance to get to God. And yet Christianity says that God loved you so much that he came here. Every other religion, you're working your way up. Christianity, God says, I'm coming to you. I'm going to save you. And he came to the earth in the form of a man, Jesus Christ, 2,018 years ago in an event that reset the calendar and you acknowledge it. Every atheist in the room acknowledges it by the date they put on their checks today or, or the date in their Microsoft Outlook. Right? And we know this because of this book that's been passed down, written over 1,500 years with one central message, 66 books really, 40 different authors telling one story of God coming to save us. By the way, it's been the bestseller this year, last year, every single year, and the bestseller in the history of history, this book. The second place is a far distant margin. This book, that God, you research it, you look into it, you grow your confidence in it. God said, he loved the world. Most famous verse in the scriptures, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world. The Greek word there is the cosmos. It's the universe and its inhabitants. That's how it's translated. For God so loved the cosmos that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever or whosoever or anyone who believes in him shall not perish, not go to hell, not die an eternal death but have eternal life. That's what I want from you is eternal life. I was at a um, birthday party a couple weeks ago here in Dallas. There, there's a restaurant called Javier's in Uptown. We were there and we're sitting on the patio, some friends, lots of friends, actually a big table. And, um, and one of the couples had to leave early. And so they were leaving. And so what he did was he just left a wad of cash on the table and he said, hey, I got everyone. He said, I'm, I'll pay for everyone, which I was like, that's kind. Okay. Um, I'm not going to argue with you. And, uh, and so he, then he leaves, right? And he texts and says, Hey, I left money there. Everyone's covered. And so the money's there on the table. The guy starts bringing the checks and, and you're faced with the decision is my meal paid for or not. There's enough, more than enough money to cover you. And this is the same predicament, the same dilemma that you face with Jesus. Jesus died to pay for your sins and you get a choice. Do I accept his payment or do I reject his payment? Do I say, hey, that was for me, for my sins, past, present, and future, everything that I've done wrong? Or do I reject it and leave it on the table and say, no, I, I choose to willingly suffer for my own sins? Christ's payment was enough. And see, what I want you to see here is that Christianity is not about what you do, but rather what Jesus did. 
and the way that Jesus paved invites us all to be saved. The way that Jesus paved invites us all to be saved. And so what about the one who's never heard? The infamous Bushman in Africa. Man, this used to be a big hangup for me. Like, I really struggle with this because I'm like, man, it just doesn't seem fair. You know, there's people out there that's never, they've never heard the gospel. This was a big stumbling block for me until I went to Africa. And I went to the Maasai Mara, literally the African jungle. That's where I'm at. I mean, here's a picture of when I was there. And those people are not in uniform. Like, that's where they live. That's who they are. They live out there in the African bush. And I'm out there with them. And this lady sees me from across the way, has this big, beautiful smile. And she comes up to me and she says, in broken English, she says, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah, ask me anything. She says, are you saved? And I said, well, what do you mean by saved? Because I'm thinking she doesn't mean what I think when somebody says, are you saved? I'm like, am I saved from lions or what? I don't know, you know? And, <laughs> and she says, she says are, are you saved? Are you a Christian? And I said, yes, I, I am a Christian. And she said, oh, me too. I'm a Christian too. I said, how did you become a Christian out here? And she said, well, I've always believed in God. And God has always spoken to me in my dreams. And one day he told me in my dream, this is my son, Jesus Christ. He has died for your sins. And he has risen from the grave so that you can be with me forever. And I looked her in the eyes and I didn't flinch. I said, oh, I understand. A missionary came here and shared the gospel with you. And then you had a dream about it. And she looked at me like I was crazy. And she said, no missionary came here. And I said, well, how did you know his name was Jesus? And she said, that was his name in my dream. And I said, I'm done. Worried about the Bushmen in Africa. Can I tell you something? Now I've been in ministry 12 years. I've heard the same story from Iran. I was on the phone once or on a show once and a 12 year old girl called in and I was sharing my testimony and she called in from Iran and said that that guy that he's talking about, I dreamt about him last night. What do I need to do to accept him as my Lord and savior? And I've read an entire book from a, a author I trust all about people coming to the faith through dreams and visions. So to the person who says, you know, what about the one who's never heard? They're just trying to get a pass for themselves, right? Hashtag, I'm asking for a friend. What about the one who's never heard, you know? And what about you? What about the one who's never heard? Go tell them. Go tell them. Spend your life telling them, finding them, and telling them, sharing the truth of eternal life with them through Jesus Christ. Why wouldn't you tell them? And you say, well, how do I know? Like, can I know that I'm going to heaven? How do I know that I'm going? How do you know anything? What do you trust in? How do you gain information? What do you look at? Where do you find your facts? Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. You believe in God, so also believe in me. I go and prepare a place for you. I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. I'm telling you, I'm telling you the way. My third and final point is that Christianity is certain. You can be sure. You can be sure. If you've been here long at all, 
you know that I like to share the gospel by asking two questions called the Kennedy questions. And this first question I want to ask to you, between one and ten, ten being certain, one being not so sure, if you were to die, if you were to die today, how certain are you that you would go to heaven? Ten is certain, one's not so sure. If you died today, how certain are you that you would go to heaven? If you're taking notes, go ahead and write down your number. If you have your phone, why don't you punch it in there? I'd love for you to identify your number. How certain are you? You think, you don't have to share it with anyone. Just, just right now, how certain are you that you would go to heaven? Okay, I'm gonna ask you to do something, okay? What I'd love for you to do, I'd love for everyone to close their eyes. I'm up here, I'm watching your purse, you know, it's okay. If you would close your eyes for just a minute, for just a minute. Now I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. If you were one to five, would you raise your hand? If you were one to five, okay, I see several hands, lots of hands. One to five, raise your hand. I'm looking around. Okay. Several of you were one to five. All right. Okay. If you were um, six or seven, raise your hand. Okay. Lots of sixes and sevens. I see you. I see you. Lots of, okay. All right. Thank you. If you were eight or nine, raise your hand. Oh, wow. Okay, a lot. Lots of eights and nines. Okay, upstairs. Okay, I see you. Eights and nines. All right, you can come back with me now. Thank you for that, for um, humoring me with that. I'm going to come back to that in just a minute. I know I said that the vast majority of, of world religions, they teach a striving, a, a working your way up to God, but also an uncertainty. That after all of your striving, you're left with a question mark. You don't really know if you got in or not until you die. And, and this fear allows religious leaders to rule you. Because I can say, well, I don't know if you've done enough. You know, maybe you need to give more to the church, right? Maybe, maybe you need to do a little bit more. Maybe you need to be nicer to me, right? And this is what happens within cults. You see cult leaders do this and use this fear against people. And so Christianity is the only religion, certainly the only world religion that I know of that offers assurance of salvation. It says that you can know. It's in 1 John chapter 5, 11 through 13. It says, and this is God's testimony. Okay, so this is the story of God. He shares here in 1 John, here's the story of God. God has given us eternal life. How, where? How? How do I get that? And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. So they, I want you to look at that word, K-N-O-W, that word know there, that you can know that you have eternal life, that you can be certain. In Greek, this word translates to know as a fact as though to see it. That you can be a 10 that you don't have to leave here a coin toss away from hell. 50% chance that I'm going to go and burn in hell, suffer in hell forever. A 20% chance, a 10% chance is no way to live. That you can leave here and be certain that you're going to be with God forever and ever and ever and ever and ever in his presence, in his kingdom forever. And that is worth celebrating. That brings joy to our hearts. That gives us a reason to live, a purpose to move forward. It allows 
allows us to see past our struggles. It allows us to lean into him. It allows us to seek him, right? It allows us to know him, that we would move toward God and study his word. It should bring a peace that transcends all understanding to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And without it, we're left with an uncertainty. I just don't know. That's no way to live tomorrow. I just don't know. My kids, man, they're always asking for stuff. Can we buy this? Can we go here? Can we do this? Can I get this? And, um, you know, I try to answer them straight all the time. And, you know, they learned what an RV is, okay? Like, we're driving down the street. They're like, Daddy, what's that? I'm like, well, it's like a house on wheels. They're like, mind blown, you know? (laughs) House on wheels. Daddy, we got to get one of those. I'm like, yeah, pray. Uh, and so they're like, Daddy, Daddy, can we, they schemed on me. That's what they do. They get together, they talk, and they come in, in a unified force. And it's hard to say no to these cute faces. They're like, Daddy, okay, here's what we did. We all picked a state, okay, and we would like to drive there. We'd like to get an RV. So you buy an RV, Dad. That's your part. You're going to buy the RV, and then we're going to drive. We'll each go to our states, and that will be our vacation. Daddy, can we do it? And I'm like, ah, I don't know, man. You know, I don't, I don't think so. Probably not. And they're like, so maybe? you telling me there's a chance, you know? And, and, they're just, and they come at me every day. They're like, Daddy, so I'm going to go to Alabama, and they're going to go to Kentucky. And I'm like, why? You know? <laughs> why would you do that? And... Uh, and so they're, they're scheming on me, right? And they're just left all summer with this uncertainty. You know, they, 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 they're excited about an idea, but they don't know if they can really celebrate. Now, that's very different if I look at them and I say, hey, guys, listen, I got the RV. It's in the driveway. And we're going to go tomorrow. Like God willing, if he gives us tomorrow, we're all jumping in that RV and we are going to Alabama and Kentucky. You know, <laughs> it's, it's going to happen, Right. And, that, and that's a different celebration when they know that. It's, it's a done deal. This is what Christ said to you. He looks at you from the cross with his arms stretched wide. And he says, come. Come, I've prepared a place for you. Would you come? I've suffered and died for you so that you don't have to suffer. You can have eternal life. I've defeated the grave for you. Would you come? It's as good as done. It is finished. Indeed. So you say, well, can I lose my salvation? I don't know. What'd you do to get your salvation? can't lose something that you didn't do anything to earn. If you didn't do anything to earn it, then how can it be taken away from you if it was given to you freely in spite of you? For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, gift of God, gift of God, not by works, not by works, not by works, so that no one can boast. It's Ephesians 2, 8, 9. If you did nothing for it, then how could you lose it? What, did you, what would you do to lose it? And so in summary, there is one way to heaven and his name is Jesus. Everyone is invited. And you can be sure. If you wanted to know 
how to get to London. You could ask me, I was just there. The reason I know the way to London is because I was just there and I came back here. If you want to know to get to, how to get to heaven, find someone who's been there and came here. And look carefully at what they've said. Right? If you trust me and you trust that I was there recently and you trust my sanity, then you trust that I know how to get there. You better believe the Queen of England knows how to get to London. She lives there. You better believe the king of heaven knows how to get to heaven. He lives there. He reigns there. He's king there. And everything you see and everything you know, he created. And so if you're going to trust something, why not trust his word? There's some crazy language in this text. Some really strange language. I don't know if you've listened this whole way and you haven't questioned what it says. It says some crazy things. He, he says, in my father's house, there are many rooms, right? Like if you're the disciples, you're listening to this, you're like, dude, okay, your dad's rich. I get it, man. He's got a, why, why, are we, why are we talking about your dad's crib right now? Like what's going on? And he's like, he's got a big house, you know, lots of rooms. You're like, I'm, I'm confused. He said, I'm, I'm going there to prepare a room for you. I got to show you something beautiful, okay? Like, this always stirs my heart. Jesus here, he's using a really intimate language. It's the Jewish wedding language. You got to hear me on this, okay? Stay with me. It, it, we see it so clearly in this text. What would happen is when a Hebrew boy a young Jewish boy was of age and ready to go get married, what he would do is he would leave his land and go to a foreign land in search of a bride. He would leave his father's land and go to a foreign land in search of a bride, someone to take as his wife. And when he would find her, are you ready? When he would find her, he would pay what was called a dowry. He'd put down a down payment. It was a heavy sum to show that, hey, I mean business. I'm coming back for you because he'd have to leave. And the reason that he would leave, so he would go to her father and he'd pay this dowry saying, hey, I'm purchasing the right to take your daughter as mine forever. And then he would leave and he'd go back to the land that he came from and he would begin to build a room on his father's house that they would live in because his father's house was one day going to be his house. Inheritance was everything in this culture. And so he would begin to build this room for him and his new bride to live in forever. And at a time and an hour when no one knew, he would go back and he would return for her. People would run in front of him, his bridal party, if you would, his groomsmen, and they'd blast trumpets and they'd say, he's coming. And, and the, the word would spread from town to town. It would go in front of him until it reached her. And she would hear, hey, your bride is coming. Your groom is coming. Your groom is coming for you. And she would quickly scramble and get her wedding dress and her bridal party. And he would come. And he'd look at her and he'd say, you are now mine forever. Come, let's go back to my land back to my home and back to this room. And so what Jesus is saying to you, he's saying, hey, I've paid for you. I've put down the dowry for you. My bride 
so that I can take you home to be with me forever. Now I've purchased you with my own blood poured out for you to cover your sins. And now I'm going to go home to my father's house and prepare a place for you, for all of you, for anyone who would like to dwell there, for anyone who would like to accept the payment of the blood that he shed for your sins, that you can be with him forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. I'm going to ask you to shut your eyes again, if you would. Thank you. Hundreds and hundreds of you said, I'm not sure. I'm not a 10. And if you're at a place right now where you would like to be a 10, to move from a 5 to a 10, a 9 to a 10, a 7 to a 10, would you raise your hand? Would you put it up so that I can see it? Okay, I see it. That's amazing. Praise God. Oh, praise God. That's incredible. That's incredible. Praise God for you. Wow, that is overwhelming. That's overwhelming. Okay, you guys can look at me. I'm not trying to be manipulative. I don't need anything from you. But we're going to sing a song. And my prayer, you don't have to, but my prayer is that if you just raised your hand, and so many of you just did, that you'd have the courage to come up here. And I'd come back up after this song and I would pray over you. And during this song, you just come forward, just come to the altar, come up here and know that he's prepared a place for you. Would you do that? Let me pray. Father, thank you so so much for those that just said, I want to be sure. I know. I know what Christ did for me. I know what he paid for me. Lord, would you stir in them the courage to tell somebody by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you work into their hearts Surround them with men and women who love them and know you and who know them and love you. Father, thank you for the gift of salvation that comes to us by way of your Son, Jesus Christ, and your Holy Spirit who seals us and preserves us and carries us home so that the enemy can't snatch us away. Father, we sing to you now. We worship you now. In Jesus' name, amen.